0: Welcome, everybody. Hello, it's lovely to be here. I am your host, Pam Pastor, for the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins Podcast. And it's been said, areas that we may be needing to tighten up on within our lives, or to learn further in, in advance, we teach. So, with that in mind, friends, as promised, we're starting the new year off with a programming change. Welcome to Marriage Mondays, biblically speaking. And in the beginning of each episode, I stress that God will reward those who diligently read his word and then place it into action. Well, marriage is an actionable item. So today I am welcoming my co-host for our first ever edition of Marriage Mondays, none other than my husband, Matt. Matt, thank you so much for joining me as we embark on this new journey.
1: Thank you, Pamela, for having me on.
0: Wouldn't have anyone else. So Matt, in the spirit of getting to know you, allow me to share just a few tidbits about you. And I'll start first by saying Matt is my husband of 35 years coming this May the 27th. We were married in college, so we were truly college sweethearts. And Matt grew up as the baby of three boys in his family. His mother attended a Baptist church where Matt also became fundamentally grounded. Now, on the other hand, I had no upbringing in the church. My mother identified as Episcopalian while my dad had attended Catholic boarding school, and together they would determine to acquiesce to Lutheranism. And together, we have attended both Lutheran and Baptist churches over our 35-year history. And we together have been under the phenomenal men who have pointed the way of Christ to both Matt and myself. And publicly, we can both say how grateful we are. And as you can imagine, we've got stories. Would you say, Matt, that's pretty true?
1: That's pretty true.
0: (laughs) Matt, today I want to go back and reflect upon our first year of marriage. When you attended the weekend Promise Keepers meeting with your brothers and you came home with the light of Jesus shining from within you and you attempted to share that spark with me, from your perspective, Matt, for Promise Keepers, what would you say was your biggest takeaway of that event and you coming home?
1: What was really influential for me during that process, it was a three-day, a weekend um, retreat, and it was in San Diego at the time, many, many, many years ago, and it was just something that really God put into my heart and my mind of exalting Him and putting Him first place in my life. Um, It it really did change my life uh, from a a, a heart perspective standpoint. But that being said, you know, this world and relationships and other things kind of came in the way of that Life transformation, and that is one of the regrets that I've had is that that was the first day of the rest of my life in regards to putting Christ first. And, and, um, it, it was a wonderful retreat, but, but there were some negatives in how I responded after that retreat.
0: Well, thank you for being so candid and sharing that. Because here, from my perspective, you know, we were newlyweds. I had no history of Christ within the home, and you came home and you were fired up, on fire for the Lord. You had been with, we spent a weekend with your brothers, and I just I didn't catch the vision at that time, which is one of my regrets. Because had I caught the vision, our lives would have gone in a different trajectory and road however we know with Romans chapter 8 verses 28 it says that to those that love God and are called according to his purpose he works all things together for good so I while I do have regret I'm not regretful because I like I said I know that God took that experience and he's weaving it into our lives and so with that this is a great time for us to offer up prayer specifically over that situation, removing its stain and hurt upon our relationship. And Father, you know what our hearts intended, you know each of our hearts, and you give us the ability to love others well, and while we see them as you do as well. So, you know, we don't need to allow sinful pride to enter into our relationship with people whom we love. And since we love each other, we can let that go. So welcome again to Marriage Monday. And um, I would say at this point that while the Word of God tells us that it's true and we're given... Uh, rewards for being diligent and placing God's word into action and applying it into our lives. We do this through obedience to the word, which is what we both have chosen to do. We wake up every morning, we spend our first hour, hour and a half diligently in the Word of God, day in and day out. And that's the most obvious way that we need God's Word prior to being saved. And then God points us in the right direction once we are saved to teach us in all of His ways. And finally, after we're saved, He wants us to keep learning and growing. In whom God is. And we see an invisible God through the visible manifestation of Jesus. So we also praise God through our prayers to him. And I believe when we say aloud scripture... God smiles. He taught us firsthand in the wilderness experience with Jesus how to use the weapon of warfare, the sword of the spirit, to fight against the enemy. And Matt, often I hear you even quoting scripture by pulling out that sword, the armor of God.
1: It's very difficult in this life to try and comprehend what, in some cases, the Spirit is telling us versus what our flesh is telling us, and it's so natural to just go to our carnal minds and our carnal flesh and to have a reaction that way. The Spirit obviously gives us life, and without the Spirit, I don't know where I would be at this point, but it's such a battle that goes on uh, with our flesh and uh, our our spirit and knowing that this is satan's domain and that's who we're battling against and so thank god that he's got our back and that he's got uh, that we have the bible to go to every day to give us courage and strength and wisdom
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And Matt, just as I've said in the beginning, we're beginning marriage Mondays and I'm really stressing that and trying to drive that point home because the family unit is what the enemy is out to destroy. He wants to completely demolish and disintegrate anything to do with godly marriages, So yesterday, you were a part of our first ever Sermon Sunday series, and we said that God's enemy is indeed our enemy. And one area where we see this ferociousness and fierceness of Satan is in the area of marriage, and thereby he attacks the family unit. So today, Father, we come before you in all humility and in your glory with open and grateful hearts. We pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. We ask that our marriages be placed onto your potter's wheel for renewal, restoration, and a special covenant blessing as we surrender them to you. We pray for your wisdom and favor upon our lives, allowing us to glorify the Father in all that we do. Amen. You know, Matt, I would have to ask, are you surprised that Christian marriages statistically, are they fair or on par with that of the secular world when it comes to rates of divorce?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing that, that there's so much um, divorce from people in the church, from, from people that are out of the church. And it really just comes down to expectations and what God is telling us to do. And, and also our pride, you know, we we were hurt often by our spouses and whether a husband does that to a wife or wife does that to a, to a husband, Um, It's pride that gets in the way and it's very, very difficult to um, sometimes share our lives together. It's very, very difficult dealing with the idiosyncrasies of my my personalities, Pam's personalities and and it's just something that in a marriage, God created marriage and we must operate out of humility uh, to have... The relationship succeed
0: absolutely humility is key for a healthy marriage and we know statistically speaking that the earlier you get married that's actually known as a risk factor for divorce according to the institute of family studies back on december 15th 2021 that's what they say. And we got married very, very young. So we actually are one of those statistics. However, Thepublicdiscourse.com, which is an online journal, reported on March 22nd of 2018 that their research conducted at Harvard's School of Public Health revealed that couples who regularly attended church services together have a reduced risk of divorce by a remarkable 47%. You know, that's, that's huge, And we said earlier, while it's, you know, while it's true that we, you know, I prayed that prayer of forgiveness over that one incidence from promise keepers in our life, fortunately, it's true that we do serve a God who is just merciful and full of grace towards his people. And if we're not immediately drawn to him, he doesn't give up on us. So therefore we should not be giving up on him. The word of God teaches that he's not slack, meaning he doesn't take pleasure in anyone perishing without coming to know him. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine records, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come to repentance. And so with that said, Matt, what are your thoughts around the fact that God continually attempts to draw us in whether it be through issues in the marriage or just issues overall in life he's constantly there working so say that someone planted a seed within our life holy spirit still comes and tries to pull that seed through
1: as we know, Pam, as we become more knowledgeable in, in God's Word, <clears throat> it truly is takes on the, the um, appearance of a seed being planted in soil. And several years ago, I kind of asked myself, Matt, what kind of soil are you? And that seed of God that, that he gives us Am I going to be fertile soil, soft soil, so that the seed can its root can go deeper? Or am I going to be on, you know, a stony ground where that seed is is cannot penetrate and not grow and produce excellent fruit. And so that is God's word and he reveals to us things that are important in his timing. And, and unfortunately, that's what's kind of amazing about God's word is it'd be nice if we just retained all this information, applied it instantly, but it just doesn't work that way.
0: I completely agree. That's so true. And we are all made in the image of God, but we don't always operate in the spirit of God. Some of us have allowed the spirit of rebellion or stubbornness to rule our lives. We may even have familiar spirits attached to us, ones in which have been passed on to us, generationally speaking. And trust me, we'll delve into these topics, too, as we go further. Into marriage Mondays. But additionally to the Bible, we also are guided, and Dr. Jeremiah, through his study guide, instructs us on love, marriage, and sex, which we're going to delve into. But personally, I'm coming from a two pronged space our marriage mondays i am an ordained minister who has had the pleasure of marrying others as well as having an extensive background in health care sales where a large part of my focus was on helping physicians understand the underlying needs of patients who were struggling with erectile dysfunction. And this, of course, will pique a lot of people's interest, but when we get to these topics, I'm sure you'll be interested to learn that so many people mistakenly thought that erectile dysfunction was just more of a psychological issue rather than a physical one you see, there are physical anomalies that underlie and complicate the presence of comorbidities. So we're going to get to that. And as you can imagine, our PowerCast episodes will be heating up. But right away, ladies, you need to know, a lack of intimacy is not your fault. And men, the same holds true for you. There are underlying reasons, so stay tuned and we'll explore this on further episodes. Now, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Men and women, husbands and wives are heirs together of the grace of life, having equal worth before God. Back when this inspired scripture was written by Peter, this idea was absolutely revolutionary. 2,000 years ago, women were merely seen as objects to be owned and not equal partners according to the world. And yet we know this was not God's way. It was not God's best. From the start, he is valued His entire creation, both people and nature. He gave Adam a helpmate in the garden to be loved, not owned. Husbands back in ancient days, as well as now, have a duty to regard their wives' well-being thoughtfully and to know what her needs are while being sympathetic in responding to them. Now, don't worry, husbands, it's not all squarely resting upon your shoulders. Healthy relationships have two-way dialogue present at all times. There are many storms to conquer and relationship dynamics to adjust to, but we must be mindful not to live separate lives while being truly together. And Matt, wouldn't you agree that that's a key in intimacy when you feel you're on on board all alone, and you're kind of living your best life under the same roof, doesn't it begin to take on the appearance of a brother-sister relationship?
1: Absolutely, Pam. There's there's no doubt that relationships take a lot of work, and marriages take a lot of work, and uh, oftentimes, to have them succeed, sometimes we have to give of ourselves to benefit the partner and it's a tough thing to do because we all have kind of a selfish nature a self-centered nature and it's it's a difficult process but with God's help and with his wisdom and giving us understanding we can try and do everything we can to put our spouses first and not ourselves
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. And ironically, then we add in children. So for couples with with children, one of the very first hurdles that we cross is that of the last child moving out or another key stressor is the death of a loved one. These are times when our communication will be tried and tested and will come under fire. And it'll be important to know what we've done up until this point to weather the storms of life. This will point the relationship in a make it or break it position. Where our communication cycles, were they edifying up to this point? Or were they always one-sided with one spouse giving in? So when our communication becomes more intimate, deeper with each other, when we're sharing our innermost thoughts with our partner, we actually are strengthened and thereby our marriage is also fortified. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 25 Solomon says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression but a good word makes it glad. So what we know is that prudent people are slow to speak and their words are not blurted out thoughtlessly. A good word provides encouragement and relieves anxiety or discouragement. When our spouse gives us a good word, we're a force to be reckoned with. And Matt, wouldn't you say that there's no other word, whether it be from an employer, a friend, a neighbor, you know, someone you run into at the grocery store? Well, kind words are fantastic, and I highly encourage that. When your spouse says something, it just seems to penetrate deeper into the heart space. Wouldn't you
1: agree? I absolutely agree because we can bring life to our relationship, or we can bring death to our relationship by the words of our mouths, and um, the tongue is—it's—it's it's quoted in James. It's—it's um, it's a very small thing, but it can create such damage, but it also can give such life. So. The The speaking of our mouths are very critical because we worship God with our mouths, but then it's important that we give life-giving words for our relationships as well.
0: And friends, this is why I absolutely adore the fact that we are doing Marriage Mondays because my husband is a wealth of knowledge and we are doing our best to put this knowledge into action, which again is why we are doing this episode or these episodes and I just want to define I've said marriage now so many times but what exactly is marriage and when it's defined by the Oxford Dictionary as the legally or formally recognized union of two people as partners in a personal relationship historically and in some jurisdictions specifically a union between a man and a woman. Now, marriage is defined by the National Association of Evangelicals, says, as first described in Genesis and later affirmed by Jesus, Marriage is a God-ordained covenant relationship between a man and a woman. This lifelong, sexually exclusive relationship brings children into the world and thus sustains the stewardship of the earth. Now that was quoted as of June 26, 2015. Now, the book of Hebrews tells us that marriage is honorable among all. And we learn in 1 Kings that King Solomon, who is King David's son, wrote and spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs but one song or poetic literary piece stood out and i mentioned it earlier the song of solomon this book is the 22nd book of the old testament and this writing would be his crowning accomplishment so we're going to begin to explore the song of solomon on the next marriage monday but world history is full of love relationships both good and bad. Think Romeo and Juliet for one. But the Bible takes us on an adventure to a place we all want to return to again and again in this Song of Solomon. This is an excursion hidden in plain sight to the tune of often being overlooked. Solomon celebrates the joy and the genius of marriage. One could argue he had the golden ticket at this time in his life. He met and fell in love with a young Shulamite woman. And it was an unlikely romance right out, right from the get-go. He was a king while she was just a mere peasant girl or a commoner. And this book is made up of 15 reflections written as lyric poetry. The pages read like one is reading from a love journal. So I'm I'm going to be unpacking that on the next marriage Monday and we're going to look through the pages of Solomon's Song. So we've already said that That was a crowning achievement for Solomon. It was his masterpiece, his magnum opus, if you'd like to call it that. But no love song upon the earth compares to that of Solomon and his Lebanese farm girl turned queen, the Shulamite. This is not a common romance. Here we're glimpsing what lyrical stories of royalty meets commoners looks like. Solomon would bring his bride from the rolling hills of Lebanon into the royal hall of Jerusalem. This love song began as Solomon was a young king. And it's unfortunate that he fumbled the one thing he held so dear later in life. In these ancient days, monogamy wasn't instituted yet. And it's said that at one point in time, King Solomon had 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines. Matt, could you imagine having that many women in your life?
1: You know what, Pam? I can't. And and I don't, can't even comment on that. <laughs> Dude, thanks for putting me on the spot, though.
0: <laughs> you know, I do have to say, sometimes I think one is just enough. God gives us what we can handle. And what I find... Not comical about that is just the fact that when we really know God's word and we know that He places guardrails in place for our benefit, it's not because He's a mean God at all. Again, it's always to benefit His people, and 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines would not be a benefit to anyone. So, you know, God had purpose for all of these wives, princesses, and concubines, though. At this time, he, Solomon was around 60 years old. And among the kings in the ancient Near East, taking foreign wives often produced political alliances. And excuse me, I, had, I meant Solomon had a purpose for why he... He uh, harbored all of those wives and concubines. Again, it was for political alliances. For Israel, it led to the worship, though, of other gods with the small g. So this was a double disobedience on Solomon's part. At first, Solomon's sin was just immorality and sensuality, but eventually it became gross idolatry that divided his heart and would lead to his downfall. We learn in 1 Kings that Solomon's heart turned away from the one true God. So our responsibility as children of God is to God first, family second, and our occupations third. Now, the second half of his life was a failure. His story began with a bang. He prayed to God with pure intentions, asking how he could guide God's people, and God granted him wisdom, which we all want. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 which Solomon penned under divine inspiration. He said, get wisdom, get understanding. The key to getting this wisdom is to understand that no one has it to start with. God provides it. This also means that anyone can acquire wisdom who will pursue it. And you know, our heart is metaphorically the womb in which all wisdom is not achieved with only one choice but all of our attitudes our ambitions are all conceived it's a journey of many steps a path upon which a person openly receives the truth and the truth of course is synonymous with jesus When we're wise, we're attentive to God's word. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness. And we learn about wisdom and foolishness in the book of Proverbs. Here's what it says. Wisdom calls everyone. It rebukes and challenges. Wisdom is knowledge and fear of God. And fear of God, friends, simply means to follow the commandments that are within the pages of the Bible. Follow God. And that will bring us security. It clarifies what is right in God's eyes. It brings righteousness. And righteousness, a simple way to think of that, is us being approved in God's eyes. And we are approved in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done for his people. So wisdom is truth and it reveals evil. Wisdom is more valuable than any possessions that we have here upon earth. Wisdom leads us to success, yielding happiness. Wisdom also brings life and it feeds our souls. We can clearly learn from the Bible, wisdom is the better choice over being foolish. Foolishness tempts everyone it's not disciplined ignorant and will bring people low that's exactly it's there's no discipline these people we become ignorant when we're foolish and we will be brought low fools reject God's commands instead of taking control and leading one's heart fools tend to follow their hearts Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17. Solomon teaches us, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. You see, our homes, when strengthened with godly marriages, are a safe haven, especially equipped to prepare our children for life and eternity and the reality of knowing God in a personal manner. Fools fail God and reject righteousness. Fools find out that morality and marital faithfulness cannot be thrust aside, no matter what the quote-unquote good reason might be. This behavior will rob its purveyors of honor and years. The result will be failure and loss, and foolish temptation ultimately culminates in bitterness. The power of foolishness is blind to spiritual realities. Fools may be persuasive, but persuasion does not equal God's permission. Wisdom begets more wisdom, and it's easy to fall into the trap of being envious of those who seemingly get ahead while completely ignoring God's law or picking and choosing from it like God offered a buffet to people. These individuals seem to be unhampered by responsibility to God's laws. For a time, they may prosper here upon earth. But know this, they have no eternal future in the kingdom of God. So friends, don't let that be you. God's promise is his children. And that's all of us, a hope and a future. It may not be realized in this life, but one day in the kingdom of God, it most certainly will. And Solomon didn't take his own advice. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19, he said, Hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Essentially, he was saying, keep your heart on the right course. So now, looking at an actionable prayer, we can go to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God. You see, the true motivation behind prayer is that the knowledge of God will spread throughout the earth. God's people should be a city on a hill whose light reflects the glory of God. So again, friends, Happy New Year. Welcome to Marriage Mondays. You know, for many people, today marks a day of new beginnings. Matt, do you have any new beginnings that you're starting off with today?
1: You know what? I do um, have some new beginnings, Pam. I, I want this year and today to be a, a year of... Of putting Christ first and fearing him in reverential awe and trying to be less focused on myself and also putting you um, a priority in my life. And God has given me favor because you are a wonderful, wonderful woman and a fantastic wife. Thank you, Pamela.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I also am committed to a Christ-first focus with you, Matt, topping out that list. So I am very excited for what 2024 is going to hold for us. You know, for many people today marks that day of new beginnings and that's fantastic. But So often the new beginnings or the goal-setting workshops that the world will have us go through, you know, in our mind's eye, the slate of yesteryear has been erased. And it's similar to the year of Jubilee when debts have been canceled, stolen land returned to families, and the captives are set free. These new declarations, though, that are forged upon the anvils of our minds, when we do that, we must keep God's word at the forefront of our minds for true and lasting success, which is what I believe that we both are doing for 2024. Because the world will tempt us to use honor, power, wealth, or prestige to measure ourselves as well as other people. And we don't want to fall into that trap and begin to believe that these people really are getting ahead and gaining ground in this game called life. But on God's scales of justice, these people are lighter than a mere puff of air. What then can tilt the scales when God weighs us? It's going to be what you just said, Matt. We're going to place our trust in God. We're going to work for the glory of our Father. Wealth, honor, power, or prestige add nothing to our value in God's eyes. Only the faithful work we do for him has eternal value. So God wants us to welcome his peace into our hearts and let it rule there. Paul tells us to let Christ's peace be the umpire or the referee in our heart. Our heart center is where conflict is born out of. And you see it's here that where our feelings and our desires clash, our fears and hopes, distrust and trust, jealousy and love all culminate in the heart center. So how then can we deal with these constant conflicts and live as God wants? Well, Paul instructs us thereby to use the rule of peace Which choice will promote peace in our souls and in our churches? So as we wrap up our first edition of Marriage Monday, let's all make a commitment to invest our hearts into our marriages by pouring into them. We can write letters to each other. We can go on dates. The more we are invested, the more our hearts will value this key relationship and when this relationship our first relationship is with god and then when that is right we can focus our relationship on each other when our marital relationships are right we have that much more strength and standing to go out into our communities and enact solid relationships there as well so with that friends if you have not been spiritually reborn god made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven people must confess belief in his son, Jesus. When we place our trust in Jesus's finished work upon that cross at Calvary, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God, and our sin was then placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. This is a grace gift that we can never repay back to Jesus. However, what we can do is show him our gratitude by growing in our relationship with him we can make efforts to obey him deepening our connection daily today folks if this is you respectfully i challenge you to take a bold step of courage faith and strength by openly confessing this eternal salvation prayer after me father god i'm repenting of sin unknown and known meaning i'm changing my ways of thinking acting and doing life Jesus, you were invited to be the king upon the throne of my heart permanently. I'm confessing your shed blood washed away my past, present, and future sin upon the cross at Calvary. Amen. And folks, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and edify your newfound faith in Jesus. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the wisest and most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Child Talk series airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. I invite you to tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories you may have grown up with. And join me, and occasionally Matt's going to jump in too on these Marriage Mondays, where we're going to discuss and share Jesus's unlimited power within our families. So some of the topics we also discuss are going to be around biblical forgiveness parables and miracles of Jesus, his message, his ministry. We'll even look at the harmonization of the four gospels because all of these topics play a key role within our marriages. And this is an open invitation for you and your friends to come alongside us as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of all things pertaining to Jesus. And if you like this episode, you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe You'll get the latest releases as they become available. And if you have any input or interest in being a guest or you just simply have a question, email me at pampastercopywriting at gmail.com. And friends, occasionally we do reference material directly out of my book, the grace and peace of God love wins. If you find the content inspiring, compelling, or perhaps you wish to go deeper with a rigorous study on your own, you can pick up a copy of the book from PamPastorCopywriting.com or at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. The book is full of God's word, and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, always remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. Until next time, friends, God bless you.